regarding the Chiapas Support Committee. I wonder if you can explain to myself and the viewers uh, what some of your work has been and specifically maybe what are the main lessons that aspiring territorialized resistance movements around the world could learn from the Zapatistas. And a sort of corollary to that is, do you think that style, well, it's a style, but is it that, that kind of resistance movement, that very grounded, um, you know, land-based resistance movement, can that work in the global north? Can that work in areas and countries in the global north? Well, maybe it has, and I'm just not aware of it. But I think I think it's possible, and I think that's like if you if you go to our YouTube channel or any of our videos where our videos are, um, I have a couple of Chapa Support Committee videos that I did okay. with them, um, and at the at event that Chapa Support Committee hosted, we we asked people there what would um, a Zapatista movement look like in the US. And so there's some really great answers in there. And, so, and, I, and from that, just even just from that, I think the answer is yes, it's possible. For me personally, the distinction that I think the conversation needs to be here in the US um, is the, the, the difference between what happened in Chiapas and with the Zapatistas and what it could look like here the 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 biggest difference is that it's land based there it's 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 focused around connection to the land in the US and other societies you know UK Europe etc we do, we are so far separated from our land mm. i mean the US constitution was written to be a properties right document it wasn't until later that it became you know, that included the Bill of Rights and Protection of People, but it was to make the way for private property, to separate people from the land. I think the, the more we have that conversation here in the U.S., I mean, we, because of the private property, we uprooted indigenous communities, we created genocide so we could have private property, so we could commodify and control land. We're so, we as me as a citizen of the U.S. is so far removed from that. To build a revolutionary movement that's connected to the land would would fail immediately. We have to connect ourselves to that importance and regain that, so we could have a movement like Zapatista. You know, so it would be if we're comparing apples to apples. So it would be that. Um, could we have kind of Zapatismo here in the U.S.? Absolutely. It's a, it's about building the community, reconnecting to that community, connecting back to the land, connecting back to the people, co collecting back to life itself, if to put it generically. Um, absolutely. We, we're seeing that happen in small pockets already throughout the U.S. and, right. and throughout the world. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, for, for both, I think, long-term game, if we wanted apples to apples, we have to reconnect to the land and what that means to us in the north. Um, Zapatismo, the essence of what they bring, it's happening already. Yeah, actually, I, I just remembered as you were talking. Um, so I, I did. I went on a, a course recently, online course, which was run by a guy in the 
in the UK is Sean Chamberlain. It's called Surviving the Future. And it was hosted in the, by a college in the US. And one of the guest speakers was Carly Akuno. And you had him on one of your discussion, on a discussion that you co-hosted. Um, and I was really impressed. I mean, he was the reason that I went on this course actually and his work with Cooperation Jackson. And I don't know yeah. any huge amount about it, but I guess that kind of work is going towards sort of Zapatista type resistance. It, it, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not very knowledgeable, but, but yeah, that's really struck me what you've said about, you, we need to get to know the land first. That's the first step is, is to be grounded um, in the land and food production and, and all the rest of it. And otherwise, and that's that's what kicked off the Zapatista movement yeah. was reclaiming the farmland. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, yeah. No, you're, thanks for pointing me towards the videos because uh, we've only got so much time. So, yeah, <laughs> viewers can can find out more from the videos. Okay, moving on quickly to uh, your work with the Institute for Critical Animal Studies. Um, I've only recently become aware of this term total liberation through, through a friend, a friend of mine who, who I think has some involvement with ICAS as well. Um, but I don't know if you, I don't know if you want to, would quickly explain to the viewers at this point what total liberation refers to. Total liberation is, is essentially, um, well, simply what it's, what it, what it sounds like in terms yeah. of what, generic definition of it is it's it's the ability for each of, of of each of us all life to live you know free from the pain and suffering to to live our lives to the fullest capacity that we can without the oppression and the dominance of others um and so with the institution for critical animal studies um it's it's deeply rooted in animal liberation human liberation and anarchism um and the and Pretty much what they, with what they do, is through academia, through writing books, uh, help raise awareness, get the conversation in places that the com conversation normally wasn't. Back when, um, when I first started, um, institution Institute for Critical Animal Studies actually started back in two thousand one under a different name. And it was the Center for Animal Liberation Affairs. And it was started by uh, Tony and S Steve. And I was, uh, th those are the two founders. And I was um, the third will in that, in that group. And it's kind of grown over, over the years. And it was really just, the, the core was to bring, at the time, to bring animal liberation into the public consciousness, to have that conversation. And then from that, the learnings were that institutions such as schools, um, university, colleges, et cetera, talked about animal studies or critical animal studies, but it was rooted in exploitation. It was usually rooted in agribusiness or, or something like that. And so there was a shift to say, let's leverage changing that and, and expanding what critical animal studies actually is. And rename it and and the domain of liberation you know it was bringing animal liberation into that so they set out and and done that and 
Um, I've been with the organization on and off for over the years now that uh, um, I'm an advisory board. I'm only brought in when decisions need to be made and they want my input on it. Um, but they're they're doing great work, putting out journals, books. They're doing conferences, I think, yeah. every year around the world. Um, and they're, they're pushing the envelope on, on what the conversation is in, in academia around this. So. Right. So you've been there since the beginning. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so um, I mean, you know, on, I don't, I, I, I need to learn more. I'm quite ignorant, but broadly, uh, I'm against, uh, of course, I'm against industrialized animal agriculture. But, but can you, I mean, potentially a sensitive question, but um, what, what is the sort of, what is the way that, ICAS and total liberation, total liberation relates to um, indigenous cultures that still practice hunting of animals. Is that is is there like a specific sort of way of engaging with such such communities? Or, or yeah, I think I I think, and this this answer may be slightly different with each individual of yeah. of ICAS, um, but I think for the most part. The coming from with that question or the approach is understanding the way we're viewing what's happening to animal species in the world is a product of capitalism, is a product of colonialism. None of us at any point, in that, to best of my knowledge, has ever said indigenous people, indigenous communities need to stop eating animals. What we're saying is the mechanized systems that we're using to exploit and deny basic, basic needs to animals so that we can consume them is not part of the natural world. It's not part of the, of, of the world that we live in. It's actually quite reversed. And we're seeing that because of the climate crisis. We're seeing that because of our uh, collective obsession with the consumption of animals that we're destroying, not only forests, but entire ecosystems. And we're also destroying our planet because because of it. Um, so the coming from of total animal liberation or animal liberation and this narrative is uh, to challenge and to dismantle our need to, uh, in this destructive behavior because, you know, like what we talked about with the Chavez Support Committee, we have a disconnection to the land. We also have disconnection to the other species in this world. Um, yeah. Indigenous communities, broad strokes take don't have that disconnection yeah. we have that we are the problem not them yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. so um we're not we're not telling people how to live we're not telling people um that if they're living in a traditional sense that they're wrong yeah what we are saying is the mechanisms and the tools and the mindset that our society has is destroying all societies and that must stop.